0: This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management.
1: When most customers don't want to answer their phones, how are retailers supposed to stay connected? Avoiding spam filters in email and even phone calls requires more time than anyone has time for. So, how do local businesses break through when the phones stop ringing? The answer is to use mobile phones differently by driving sales and appointments through text messaging. Join host of Retail Retold, Chris Ressa, with marketing and CX expert Jay Bear and Logan Wooden from Podium on January 13th to learn how you can drive retail sales with text messaging. Sign up today at bit.ly/podiumretail to learn how to create your most effective customer messaging strategy yet. That's bit.ly slash Podium Retail to join us on January 13th.
0: Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today, we have a very unique episode for this podcast. Today, I'm joined by Chester Santos. Chester is a memory skills expert and the 2008 U.S. Memory Champion. As many of you know, I love improving skills, and I don't think a lot of people think about memory as a skill uh, to improve on, but I was connected with Chester last year, and uh, I am excited for him to be here to talk about what he does and how memory is a skill. So welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I'm looking forward to talking with you today.
0: Yeah, me too. So, Chester, why don't you give everyone a little bit more about who you are and what you do?
2: Yeah, sure. My name is Chester Santos, also known as the International Man of Memory. Uh, After winning the United States National Memory Championship, I've gone on to be a speaker in more than thirty different countries on the topic of memory skills development, basically on how anyone can develop powerful memory skills and leverage those skills to become more successful in one's career personal life, and also if you happen to have any kids or grandkids in school, uh, the tips that I talk about today will be useful there as well
0: I can't wait i i Hope we can give a a couple of practical tips. I'm sure like anything else, though, it's about practice and you could know it, but you have to actually practice it. And that's my guess. Before we get started, I want the audience to get to know you a little bit more. I've got three warm up questions. We call it clear the air. Are you ready? Sounds good. All right. Here we go. Question one, Chester. What is one skill you don't possess but wish you did?
2: One skill I don't possess that I wish I did uh, would probably be speed reading. Um, it's a related topic, but it's something that to, to mine, but it's something that I have not uh, worked on over the years. I am more of a slow reader, but I remember uh, definitely almost all of what I read, uh, but I have to go at a slow pace. so I'd like to be able to read much more quickly but still have that retention if possible. So that, that's a skill I wish I had. Second
0: question. What, what is one thing most people agree with, but you do not?
2: One thing that most people agree with that I do not, well, related to my field, this often comes up uh, during Q&A uh, at the end of presentations. A lot of people out there seem to have this idea that they don't want to fill their head up with too much information. So they think that I often hear, oh, I'm, I'm saving space in my brain for the important things. I don't want to fill my, my brain up too much with useless information, things like that. Um, but in fact, there is no limit to human memory. So I don't agree with that mindset at all. If there is a limit to human memory, I don't think we're going to discover what it is in our lifetimes. And in fact, how learning and memory works is you always want to try and come up with a connection between something new that you're trying to learn and something that you already know. So in fact, the more that you know, the more information that you have stuffed in, stored in your brain, the easier it becomes to learn new things. So that's something, a common mindset that I don't agree with. I think it's the opposite of what most people think. You should be trying to fill your brain up with as much information as possible
0: fascinating. Last question. When is the last time you tried something for the first time?
2: When is the last time I tried something for the first time? Pretty recently, I was in Russia. So just trying some new foods that I had never uh, tried before. Um, That would be it. That was just a couple months ago. I was actually in Russia. I went to Moscow and St. Petersburg, some uh, beautiful cities to to visit if you get the chance. And you'll try some new, new and interesting foods there. What'd you eat? What was new? A lot of different things. Um, one thing that blew my mind was this dessert that they, they call it a, a potato on the menu, but it's like, a, I guess, like a chocolate potato. Um, it's one of the most mind-blowing desserts that that I've ever had. So I recommend that if you're ever in, I had that in St. Petersburg.
0: Making me hungry, but <laughs> definitely in the holiday season, I I need to try to get a, a Russian chocolate potato. <laughs> yeah. Let's get into it a little bit here, Chester. I think this is an interesting topic because I don't think it's something most people talk about. So uh, let's go back to the beginning. How did how does one become a memory expert? How did you how how come you're a memory expert? How did this happen?
2: Sure. So really, my path it was sort of random how I ended up where I'm at today. I happened to be flipping channels one night and I caught a segment on ABC's 2020, that evening news program. They had a segment on the United States Memory Championship and it sparked my interest because people had often commented to me just in conversation, wow, you have a really good memory. So with those comments kind of in the back of my mind, when I caught that segment on 2020, I thought, hey, people say I have a good memory. Maybe I can do well in this competition. But I quickly found out when looking into what the best people in the country score in various events in that competition, memorizing hundreds of names, decks of playing cards, hundreds of digits perfectly in just a few minutes, I realized I wasn't on that level. So that's when I started looking into ways as to how one can magnify their memory ability, develop their memory skills to become better at remembering things. I experimented with a lot of different techniques over the years, found what seemed to work best for me personally. Trained myself in that subset of techniques until eventually I did manage to win the United States National Memory Championship. And since then, I've started giving presentations all over the world. I've written books on memory. So, just in trying to help others develop the skills and utilize those for personal and professional success, I've really become more and more and more of an expert in the field over the last decade plus.
0: really really cool story that you just saw this 2020 thing and decided to get jump in here what were first off what was the time from like when you saw that 2020 to like when 2008 when you won it how long of a time did it take you to like really hone in and be an expert
2: yeah so i really think it depends you know how much you put into it um each year as far as training so the first time I competed, I actually managed to get third place. The first time I competed, uh, but then for many years, I just kept on getting third place. Um, so I, I knew I probably could win it because I was right there. Um, but what it really took was in 2008, I just really dedicated uh, my life to, to winning that competition. I, I trained for it like somebody might, train for the olympics or something you know and as far as physical sports the intense training they put in i put in basically that level of training and then in 2008 i i got first place i actually won it pretty comfortably um, that year so it's just a matter of setting your mind to the goal and putting in the work and the practice on a consistent basis to to achieve that
0: was this all self-taught or did you like seek out a coach? How did you go about this?
2: Yeah. So what I did was I read everything that I could find on the internet. I read all of the books that I could find on memory skills, development, and you know, some of the things I felt worked for me. Other things didn't work really well uh, and didn't fit in with what I needed to accomplish in the memory championship. So just, Based on all of that research, experimenting with everything I could find out there, I I just threw out what wasn't working, honed in on what was working, stuck to that, and I've just done more and more of that over the years in terms of being able to help others with what will immediately be effective for them in their career, in their studies, and and so on.
0: Got it. What were you doing, like? working-wise when you were training for this? Like, what were you doing at the time? You weren't the uh, U.S. memory champion, so I don't know if you had classes, you were teaching people or whatnot. What were you doing for work at this time?
2: Yeah, so I was actually a full-time software engineer. Uh, I have a master's degree in software engineering. Uh, I used to work in the Silicon uh, Valley area uh, as a software developer. So that was my work. Um, And basically... After work in the evenings, I would train my memory, memorize decks of cards, memorize sheets of computer-generated random digits, and then on the weekends, I would, you know, train even five plus hours a day. That was more during the intense training period, um, two thousand and eight and end of two thousand and seven.
0: We mentioned decks of cards. How do they decide a winner of the memory? memory championship who what what are the things they do to decide oh this person has a better memory than this person what are you doing to compete
2: yeah so in terms of the there are many events but i'll go over the cards event that you just mentioned so one of them is they will shuffle a deck of playing cards and you will memorize it when you're done memorizing it you'll just put your hand up or something so they record the time basically how long it took you to memorize the deck you, do, you are limited to a maximum of five minutes, all right? Um, you are then given a second deck of cards, a brand new deck that's a new deck order, and you have a maximum of five minutes to arrange that second deck from memory into the same order as the first deck that you looked at. Then they put the two decks side by side and flip through all the cards to make sure that every single card Matches so that's that event. I used to be able to do it in just under ninety seconds, um, and you know some people now can even do it faster than that. So that's one of the events uh, in the U.S. Memory Championship.
0: Did you say just under thirty seconds?
2: Uh, I used to do it in just under ninety seconds, just uh, just under a minute and a half. Yeah, but people can nowadays. You know the scores, just like in the Olympics and physical sports, how the records are broken every year. Uh, the scores are higher and higher. The same in the memory championship. So nowadays, there are people that can do it in even under one minute. And there's 52 cards in a deck, so it's just really amazing what the human mind is capable of with the right training and practice.
0: I I, I, I couldn't agree more. Speaking of what the human mind is capable of, what is what does science and what does the science community think of? would you and maybe others do? What is the perspective of the science community?
2: Oh, uh, they're very interested in uh, memory champions like myself and exactly how do we go about it and what what are the inner workings of the brain. So Stanford has offered to scan my brain while memorizing things. I haven't taken them up on, on it yet. That was after my, <laughs> after my TED... Uh, TED Talk, there happened to be a professor at my TEDx Bay Area talk, a Stanford professor, and he he wanted me to do that. I haven't done it, but some other memory champions have. And they've seen that while we're memorizing, there are the so much more of the brain is lit lighting up. So much more of the brain is active compared to an average person when they are committing things uh to memory. Um, they're they're still actively researching this. MIT, I I correspond. Uh, once in a while with a professor from MIT who is doing research on uh, basically enhanced memory and how these skills or these techniques are actually working in in people's brains. But what we do know right now is that if you will use the right techniques and put in that practice, it's pretty incredible what people are capable of.
0: Totally. um, I'm, I'm, Mind blown by this topic. Let's talk about some practical applications. While the deck of cards is cool. Actually, before that, let's back up. Give give me a an, What's another one they do at the US Memory Championship? What's another event?
2: Yeah, so one that I think people can relate to probably a little better and right away see practical applications for it is memorizing names and faces. So in the competition, they give us what basically look like yearbook. Pages. So there's a photo and a name written underneath, first name and last name. Uh, when I was competing, there was 99. I believe there's more now, over a hundred. Um, we would have 15 minutes to look those over. Uh, when the 15 minutes uh, time period was up, they would then give us the pages, uh, the pictures again, but the pictures would be on different pages and in completely in a completely different order. Only the photo, and you would have to write out from memory the matching name and spelling uh, counts. So that made it even a bit trickier in that if you spelled uh, the person's name Tammy ending in a Y, but uh, that particular person's name ended in IE, it was considered incorrect, like you didn't remember the name. So it's it's pretty tough, pretty intense. Um, But again, it's something that people can get good at with uh, training and practice. Now I actually open presentations around the world uh, I'll go, uh, before my presentation, I'll go around in the audience and just shake people's hand, get their name, and I've opened with naming even hundreds of people in, a, in an audience after hearing each name just one time. So uh, for practical purposes, it's going to help you, of course, to get more out of business networking. You're not getting the most out of networking if you're attending a bunch of events, and the next time you run into someone that you met, you had you have no idea what their name is or what they do for a living. You're just not... Maximizing the benefits that you could get out of business networking.
0: That is a great practical application. What other practical applications do you see? You go and you train people all over the world. What other practical applications do you see people using enhanced memory skill in professional world?
2: Oh, they're 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 they are so numerous. I'll go over some of them. Now, you know, I, I hit on one, uh, just building better business and personal relationships by remembering people's names, things about them. It increases people's likability factor, right? And that, that's a factor in advancement in one's careers is your likability factor in addition to your job performance, right? Presentations. If you happen to be in a career where, you're, where you are giving some sort of presentation with memory skills, you can minimize the amount of notes that you use, maybe eventually getting to using no notes at all, so that you can maintain eye contact with your audience. You're going to be a more uh, persuasive, more effective speaker. I've been a, I've been a speaker at conferences. Uh, sometimes you'll have a world-famous professor there, but he doesn't get the greatest remarks on the comment cards from people in the audience because his presentation was, here's slide number one on my research, here's slide number two on my research and the pe- people in the audience are reading all of these charts and graphs and they're starting to fall asleep. It's it's better if you can at least minimize the notes and, and be more engaging, maintain eye contact with the audience training material. So if you're in a profession where uh, things are changing a lot, your company sends you to a lot of new trainings, you're going to be able to retain more of that information. Keep in mind that memory is a fundamental part of the learning process. So when you improve your ability to remember things, it's going to have a huge impact, definitely on absorbing more from training material uh, for kids in school, exam material. Also, I would say, if you happen to be in sales, uh, meeting with clients, potential clients, if you can maintain eye contact with that person during the meeting and say, hey, here are five, ten key things that I learned about you and your company in my research. Here are five, 10 key things that I learned about your competitors. Here are five, 10 key ways why my company and our services are the perfect match for what you're doing. When you can do that, show that you've gone, you know, a step above everyone else. You've done that research. You can maintain, maintain the eye contact. Nowadays, people are so impressed with that. Very, very impressed. They have a lot more confidence in you and your abilities when you can do things like that because Let's face it, the average business professional nowadays isn't working on their memory at all. And simple things like that would be impossible for them to do because they're so dependent on electronic devices. So, when, we, when you can do that, people are more impressed with you. Um, you know, whether there's a connection between memory and intelligence, uh, research, it's up for debate. You know, one research study may say yes another research state, search study might say, say maybe not they don't have the definitive answer but the perception is right when we meet with someone and they seem to know their stuff they seem to have a pretty sharp memory we perceive the perceive them to be at least pretty smart and we have more confidence in them
0: that that if there's anything you said whether i don't know what the science is but 100% people perceive someone who has a a better memory to be smarter hands down that is perception can if i take class with you can i can i get rid of my to-do list oh definitely
2: (laughs) (laughs) that would be that would be absolutely no problem yeah i teach you i for my private coaching clients i teach you how to build a wide variety of mental filing cabinets and you will reach the point to where well at a minimum Uh, All of my clients have 100 uh, mental storage places available for 100 different pieces of information. Um, But you may even get to 1,000 plus uh, mental storage places or mental filing cabinets. So, uh, you know, 10, 20 item to-do list would, would be a piece of cake.
1: No one likes dealing with snow and ice, but wouldn't it be great to know that your commercial properties are being handled by a team who cares? U.S. Snow Pros teams have the skill and experience to ensure your properties receive the correct service on time. Not only can you rest assured your properties are being serviced, but they will also update you throughout the process, leaving nothing to wonder. Getting your employees and patrons in and out of your properties safely during winter weather can be challenging. Call US Snow Pros at 609 332 3701 to see how they can help make a difference or send an email to Mike at USSnowPros.com.
0: There's three things that are ever consuming in, in my world as, as an uh, executive in, in my business, and, and those three things are my calendar, my to do list and notes from meetings right i'd love to be able to walk into a meeting be eye contact not head down writing eye contact engaged listening and walk out and have unbelievable recall on what was what was discussed in that meeting what do you say and you know i'm i'm looking at my calendar right now which is you know a lot of things on it would those be Three mental cabinets that I could put things in.
2: Absolutely, um, I can definitely help you to maintain eye contact, be very focused, and file that important information away uh, mentally. So they, I, I don't know. I know we're connected on LinkedIn. You might, may once in a while see my tips from around the world. Uh, I had done one that was talking about research that's recent that's recently be do- been done in the last few years. They had people watch a TED Talk online. One group was able to take notes during the TED Talk. They had another group just sit there quietly and watch it. They then had a quiz on what was covered during the talk, and the group that just sat there and quietly listens performed significantly better on the recall of what was discussed during the talk. So um, when you are head down, busy writing down the notes, a lot of times you're shutting off your brain and you're really not absorbing that information. They did a similar study with people uh, attending a museum. So one group would walk around the museum and they could take notes on things that they were looking at. Another group would just walk around and enjoy the museum. That group did better when they were quizzed on the various exhibits. So it's better to try and just listen, stay focused. It's going to help your recall. And of course, I can help you to go even further with that with these types of uh, memory skills uh, techniques. Yeah, man, I think
0: the popular belief is that people remember better if they can write it down. The act of writing it kind of scribes it in their memory. And you're saying that's not the case per se, which I find rather interesting.
2: Well, you know. You just, you definitely need to be conscious of the fact. Don't, if you want to go ahead and write things down because you feel that aids you, I'm not going to tell you to not do that, but just be very aware of the fact that for a lot of people, when they're basically outsourcing their memory to the pad, in that case, they're shutting their brain off, right? Mm -hmm. So what I would advise is if you're going to go ahead and write things down, try to learn some of these memory techniques as well. So that while you're writing it down, you can also try to mentally file it away. Wow.
0: So I won't need a notebook in meetings. I can get rid of my to-do list and I can get rid of my calendar. Those are three things I could get done.
2: Uh, You could definitely do that. Yeah. With these types of techniques and, and a whole lot more. Those are pretty, um, I think pretty easy to accomplish with this type of training, but you can do really a lot more. Again, it's incredible what the mind is capable of with the right techniques, training and practice. Oh man. I think
0: our listeners are
2: very, very, very intrigued right
0: now, because uh, I think a lot of the listeners are take copious notes and, you know have calendars, and, and if that's just the surface level, I think they are intrigued. <clears throat> let's Let's talk about some actual techniques what what are uh, you know let's go over one or two some of the things you actually teach in your classes and the skills and how to build skill development
2: yeah I'd, i'd love to do that with you chris let's go through well let me go over three main principles very quickly that are going to apply no matter what specific memory technique you end up using and then we can go through an interactive exercise after that with one of the techniques uh, if, if, if there's time for that. Sure. Can I, um, will,
0: will I be able to recite 25 numbers to you and then you have them respond back what they were?
2: Uh, you can totally <laughs> do that, but numbers is going to take a little bit more. Uh, there's an intermediate step. I'll explain that, come back to that later. I'll explain why numbers is going to take a little bit more than just an initial... Uh, training um, after we go over the the main Let's principles first. The, so principle just, number one. I was just pulling it like. Oh, oh yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, s- step number one or principle number one is no matter what type of information that you want to commit to memory, you always want to try to come up with a visual representation for it. Uh, you want to be able to picture it in your mind. Um, We remember things that we see. So a quick example, you've probably run into someone that you've met previously. As soon as you see them, you remember their face, right? You know that you met them somewhere before, but you can't remember the name, right? Um, Another situation you can relate to, let's say you go to a party. Two weeks after it's over, you're talking with one of your friends. Your friend describes someone to you that was at the party as your friend is describing the person, a lot of times you can picture who exactly who they're talking about, but you can't seem to remember the person's name, Sure, right? Those examples uh, make sense when you think about it, because when we interact with people in various ways, we see their face, right? The face is recorded into your visual memory, but the name is something more abstract. So one way to get better at names is try to turn them into powerful visuals, For the name Mike, I might picture a microphone. For the name Alice, I might picture a white rabbit, because it reminds me of Alice in Wonderland, right? So that's a little tip there for names, but my point is that a visual for the information makes it easier to recall the information later. Second overarching principle, after you come up with a visual, try to involve more senses if you can. As you activate more senses, you're building more and more connections in your mind to the information, and you're activating more and more areas of your brain, I started an episode of PBS's Nova Science, people want to check it out later, they're going to see the brain scientists, neuroscientists, talking about why it is that these techniques that I use, part of why they work so well, is because I'm using more senses, I'm activating more of the brain, it becomes easier to remember things. Hmm. Third overarching principle is while you are seeing and then trying to experience the stuff with additional senses try and make all of that in your mind crazy unusual extraordinary if you can because there is a psychological aspect to human memory we all remember things that happen to us that are pretty out there right extraordinary in some way where wherever your audience is right now if an elephant crashed into the room that they're in right now at this moment and started to spray water all over them with the, with its trunk that actually happened at this moment, you'd probably remember that for the rest of your life, even 30 years from now. You're never going to believe this. I was listening to Chris Ressa's podcast. He had a memory guy on there. While I was listening to the podcast, an elephant crashed into the room, started spraying water on me. It was just crazy unbelievable. That would be stuck forever in your mind without any effort to commit it to memory. So just knowing there is that aspect of how our mind works, we can harness it, take advantage of it, apply it to things that would be useful, remembering names, presentations, and so on. So that's it. Three principles, quick review, visuals, try to involve more senses if you can, and third, make it all weird to take advantage of that psychological aspect to memory. So with that said, I want to try to put those principles into practice now. Chris, I'm going to have you try to commit something to memory. The audience can follow along, see how they do, uh, just do your best. Relax. It's going to be fun. So it will take about three minutes. Chris, I'm going to have you all we try to. This. <laughs> what is that? I was telling everyone we did not know we were doing this. All right. No, I'm springing this. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just totally springing it on, on on you right now. I know, Chris. Just bear with me. I, I think you'll have fun. It won't be too tough. Right. Um, e- even uh, even under the pressure, um, the word list I'm going to have you memorize quickly is going to be monkey, iron, rope, kite, house paper, shoe, worm, envelope, pencil, river, rock, tree, cheese, and dollar, all right? That's the list. Now, most people, you know, think, you know, no, this guy's crazy. There's no way I'm going to commit that to memory, not unless he gives me a lot of time to do it. But in fact, Chris, you'll have it down. People listening to the podcast will have it down in just about three minutes, and even weeks from now, you're still going to know the words forwards and backwards. Just relax, listen to what I described to you, and just try to see and experience it in your mind. You can do it with your eyes opened or closed, whatever's most comfortable (laughs) for you in terms of visualization. I want for you to just see a monkey, right? This monkey is dancing around, and it's making monkey noises, because the first word I had given you was monkey. So the monkey is making monkey noises, dancing around see that in your minds. The monkey now picks up a gigantic iron, all right? Like you would iron your clothes with. Just see this monkey dancing around with this giant iron. That's it. Picture that. Relax. It starts to fall, but a rope attaches itself to the end of the iron. See that rope, maybe even feel the rope. Maybe it feels sort of rough, all right? You look up the rope, and you see that the other end of the rope is attached to a kite. This kite is flying around in the air. Just see that kite. Maybe try and touch it. Everyone just relax. Try to visualize this kite. The kite now crashes into the side of a house. Really see it smash into this house. Picture that. The house is covered in paper. For some reason, it's completely covered in paper. Just see that paper all over the house. The next word I had given you was paper. Out of nowhere, a shoe appears, and it starts to walk all over that paper. Maybe it's messing it up as it's walking on it. Really see that shoe. It smells kind of badly for some reason, so you investigate. You look inside of the shoe, and you find a smelly worm crawling around. Really try to see that worm. The worm jumps out of the shoe and into an envelope. Maybe it's going to mail itself or something. I don't know. Envelope was the next word. Really see that envelope. The worm just went into the envelope. Out of nowhere, a pencil appears, and it starts to write all over the envelope. Maybe it's addressing it. That pencil. Really see that pencil. The pencil now jumps into a river, and there's a huge splash like you would never expect to see when that little pencil hits the river. Picture that river. The river is crashing up against a giant rock, crashing up against a giant rock, that rock flies out of the river, it crashes into a tree, really see that tree? This tree is growing cheese, you probably haven't seen a tree like this before, it's growing cheese, see that tree growing cheese, and out of the cheese shoots a dollar, a dollar shoots out of the cheese, the last word I had given you was dollar, right? Now, I'm just gonna run through this again in about 20, 30 seconds, Your job is simply to replay through this little story that you've created in your mind, all right? So we had that monkey. The monkey was dancing around with what? It was an iron. What attached to the iron? It was a rope. You felt that rope, right? You look up the rope. The other end was attached to what? It was a kite. What did that kite crash into? You saw it crash into a house. What was the house covered in? It was covered in paper, right? What walked on the paper? It was a shoe, Something was crawling in that shoe. What was it? It was a worm. The worm jumped into an envelope. What wrote on the envelope? It was a pencil, right? The pencil jumped into the river. The river was crashing into the rock. That flew into a tree, which was growing what? Cheese. And what came out of the cheese? It was a dollar. So now, Chris, I'd like you to just do your best, take your time, relax, see if you can Recall those words by simply playing through the story in your mind. Each major object that you see in the story will give you the next word, and and your audience can follow along and just see how they do as well for fun. All right. Monkey, iron, rope,
0: kite, house, paper, shoe, worm, envelope, pencil, river, rock, tree,
2: cheese, dollar. Awesome. And uh, that's not easy under pressure. I We, uh, we did not discuss cool. that at all previous to the interview. I didn't even warn you. I was going to spring that on you. So um, great job under pressure there. I'm sure if people give it a try, they could even recite that backwards by simply going through the story in reverse. Now, I want to point out that This technique, that's called the story method, by the way, it doesn't just apply to random words. Let's try Ooh, to apply that to a presentation very quickly here. Let's say I was going to give a talk about healthcare in the United States. Maybe my first image would just be a stethoscope that the doctor uses to check your heartbeat. That's just going to represent the broad topic for t- discussion for today is healthcare, right? Then I want to hit on first with my audience. I want to talk about the high cost of healthcare in the United States. Maybe shooting out of the stethoscope is a bunch of $100 bills. All right. The next thing I want to cover in my presentation is that under current healthcare programs, in order to get certain things covered, sometimes we have to find a way to cut through or navigate through a lot of red tape. Maybe wrapping itself around the $100 bills is all of this red tape. So hopefully that gives you an idea of how you could apply this simple concept of the story method to minimizing the amount of notes you use when giving a presentation. Those could also be five talking points with a client or potential client. So there are definitely practical applications for even very simple techniques.
0: Cool. That was great. I really appreciate you putting me on the spot and walking me through that when you first rattled off the words, I was like, Oh my God. But, uh, that method was pretty good. And we did that in less than five minutes. Pretty, pretty, pretty good stuff. So really appreciate you coming on today. Why don't you tell everybody about the training that you do and the services that you offer?
2: Yeah. So I I'd love to talk about that. If people would like to, Go deeper, dive deeper into the realm of memory skills development. If you'd like to make it something to work on for the new year, be better than ever in terms of your personal and professional development in 2022, the best place to go for most people would be memoryschool.net. Uh, you can visualize maybe a phishing net to remember that it's .net. So it's memoryschool.net. Um, it's an entire online school. I've got core training, advanced training, ongoing training uploaded every single month. I set up code Chris in honor of being on your show. I set it to be valid for 50 uses. I have no idea how many people from your audience might be interested, but the first 50 people to use that code should find that when they enter it into the checkout page that the $200 enrollment fee would will go down to zero dollars as long as it's still valid. You'll just have to pay f- only for the first, uh, month of access. So check it out, memoryschool.net. The code is Chris, valid for the first 50 people. I also give speeches and presentations all around the world for various types of organizations. So if you're involved with an organization that might need an entertaining and educational speaker, please keep me in mind. I do private coaching on a very limited, limited basis and also corporate training seminars. So half day, one day, and up to two day corporate training seminars as well.
0: Excellent. And your social media handles, where can they find you on social media?
2: I'm most active on LinkedIn. So if you just write to me on LinkedIn and mention that you heard me on Chris's podcast, I'll go ahead and be happy to accept you as a connection. So LinkedIn, I'm most active on, and also Instagram. Those are the two Main places to find me, Instagram and uh, LinkedIn.
0: Chester, this has been great. I really appreciate it. Now, with every guest, we're typically uh, in the retail and real estate industry. At the end of every show, I ask three questions. So I got three fun questions for you that you probably haven't thought of. Tell me when you're ready.
2: I'm ready. Let's go for it.
0: (laughs) Question one. What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead?
2: Wow, you know, th- it just so happens that I I saw this in a TV show episode and and it this came to my mind, Blockbuster. <laughs> like okay. Blockbuster Video cuz there was something I th- I don't know, it was a uh, a cool experience I think to actually walk around the store and pick up the different uh, and you know discuss with your friends that might, might've been right there with you, what movie you wanted to watch. I, I, I think those could come back just on a very limited uh, basis.
0: Okay. Question two, what is the last item over $20 you bought in a store?
2: Last item over $20 that I bought in a store. Whoa, that's kind of a difficult one. And, Inter- you're bringing something interesting to my mind. I guess we're all doing so much online shopping these days. Over $20 that I bought in a store, maybe a suitcase. Uh, when my suitcase broke recently, um, I actually wanted to go in there and physically like feel like the wheel how the wheels were rolling around, and uh, right, where'd you get it? Just just a random place in in Chinatown. I live in San Francisco. Just a random okay. place in, in Chinatown in San Francisco. But I wanted to actually, you know, demo uh, the suitcase. Oh, so the
0: the taction.
2: Okay. Yeah. Last
0: question: If you and I were shopping at Target, and I lost you, what aisle would I find you in?
2: What aisle would you find me in in Target? I guess. It's got to be something electronics, uh, electronics related, (laughs) you know, things that sometimes I need to buy a a new microphone for these types of interviews. Um, I I don't know, testing, uh, 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 testing out various electronic devices to work with the, the new technology that we're all using, I guess.
0: Cool. Well, Chester, this has been great. I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. This is one of the more interesting episodes I've ever done. So thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Chris. It was fun.